Welcome to the Heart-Centered Therapist Podcast, the podcast created for you, the therapist who leads with your heart and loves serving your clients. I'm Cindy Gozanski, your host. I know that being a heart-centered therapist is immensely rewarding and powerful and intensely challenging and difficult. We're on this journey together. My mission is to help you continue loving your work as a therapist, surviving being a therapist, and feeling more connected as a therapist. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Heart-Centered Therapist podcast. I am so honored and delighted today to bring you my guest, Daniel Hand, all the way from the UK. Daniel is a British author, historian, game designer, and therapeutic counselor in private practice. His work has appeared in venues such as Tales of Ruma, the popular culture psychology series, and Deco, the Journal of the Burma Star Association. His latest book is Role-Playing Games in Psychotherapy, a Practitioner's Guide, and he regularly speaks on the uses of gameplay and storytelling in psychotherapy. I'm so excited to talk with Daniel today. I personally don't know anything about role-playing games, but I love story. I love the notion that we will discuss later about the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell. I've dabbled in Donald Miller's book, Story Brand. I think story is so important to our lives and also the work we do as, as therapists. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Lindley, thank you so much for having me. It's an absolute privilege. As I was saying earlier, I've been listening to you for what feels like it feels like you've been a part of my life forever. So thank you so much for having me. It's that's that's so kind. Well, to to be honest, it's 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 been a matter of months, but I I intend to continue doing this. <laughs> Great. I love to start by asking my guests, what does being a heart-centered therapist mean to you? I suppose if you wanted to use professional terminology, it would be having making sure you have that unconditional positive regard for your clients, making sure that you accept them entirely for who they are without judgment. Just, you know, I don't know if this is going to sound as corny to you in America as it does to me in the UK, but just to fully open your heart to them and let them in. Whenever you have clients, they tend to come to you because they're missing that uh, in their lives. And so if we can just give them that space to be themselves and really just love them for who they are, then as you know, it's incredibly powerful. So yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. And letting them in, letting them into our hearts and loving them for who they are. And that just, it, it goes right into how we're going to explore your specialty niche around role-playing games and how you use this power of story to really help a client on so many levels. I think it's it's fascinating. Maybe share a little bit about how you became a therapist, like your journey to becoming a therapist. Well, I started out uh, well, life really, um, as a as a fiction writer. I mean, and when I say that, I mean even as a child at school, I was always writing stories, and I was that kid who got asked to stand at the front of the class and read his story when he was in primary school, and he 
And so I approach and my client work very much from a writer's point of view, a creative point of view. And went to university, went on into working publishing and local government, uh, as we all do. When we're uh, young, we just dip our fingers into various ponds to see what works for us. Trained to be a teacher, um, which I some of us are cut out to be teachers. I'm not one of them, um, put it to you like that. Then uh, my wife and I had a child. Uh, I became a stay-at-home dad for a few years and continued writing uh, whilst in, in between changing the diapers and um, cleaning up the baby food that really stains the carpets. I don't know what they put in baby food, but it's impossible to clean up. And when he went to school, it was time to start looking for, you know, a way forward. I'd had um, some counselling myself by that point um, for uh, various issues, chronic pain, anxiety, just general life stuff, kind of realised that, yeah, I, I might be able to do this. So fast forward a few years, you get yourself qualified and it just a case of finding the the right set of circumstances that work for you and it turns out that uh, the set of circumstances that works for me is making silly voices and and rolling dice <laughs> what a great introduction i i love hearing your journey and actually did not know that you've been writing your whole life like you said since primary school so mm. that's that that creativity is so important to you and and who you are. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, I've been writing so much nonfiction lately that only a few nights ago I did something which I hadn't done in must be about a year and wrote some fiction. And I've forgotten how much not that not just that I missed it, but that I need it in my life. It, it's like welcoming back an old friend. The alignment of your your love for story, whether it's in fiction or the role-playing games, and then how you weave that into your work. Like we need our creativity to come back to us. I think there's a lot of times that I'll say, I'm not creative. You know, I don't, I'm not a creative person. And yet I realize in my work, I must be creative all the time. And so I see my work as a therapist as being very organic and creative, but you know, behind me or whatever, not so much. <laughs> Whenever anybody says to me, oh, I'm not creative, I was like, oh, that sounds like a challenge. Every single one of us is creative. And I could sit here and wax lyrical about that for the rest of the day, especially in terms of storytelling. I mean, storytelling has been a part of human existence for as long as humans have existed. You know, it, we tell stories to each other every time we communicate. You know, you come home. I, I go to pick up my son at school, and the first thing I ask him is, "How was your day?" Mm. And you know, he then tells me the story of his day at school. You know, my wife tells me the story of her day at the office. My clients tell me the story of their week, and we are all instinctive storytellers, but we just don't think about it. And you've got, it's one of those things you've got to have pointed out to you. And then you kind of, oh yeah, yeah, I have been doing that, haven't I? This would be a great time for you to like further 
kind of dive into like the parts of a story. You have a beautiful website, Daniel, and we'll make sure we link to that in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Right. Yes. And I noticed like you referred to um, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And so maybe describing like, what are those elements of story that then you also use in your work to help clients explore their inner world? So, um, Joseph Campbell um, very famously wrote a book um, called The uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. And what he did in that was essentially trawl through myths and legends throughout history and analyze a kind of template that tends to go through them. Not obviously there were outliers, but he roughly came up with um, what we would refer to today as the hero or heroine's journey. In a nutshell, that hero's journey is that you've got a protagonist who is living in a a less than perfect state. An inciting incident comes along, which forces them to go on uh, on an adventure, often unwillingly. They meet people, they overcome various obstacles, they find what they're looking for, and eventually they come back um, having grown in some way, shape or form. And then the decision is, well, do I go back home to the way things were or do I stay? It tends to be kind of circular slash reflective. The end is always kind of reflective of the beginning. And that story is pretty much in, if you squint hard enough, you can see it in just about every every story ever written. A, a lovely phrase I heard, and I, I do repeat it quite a lot, is the reward is always in the journey. And that's what storytelling is. You're not, you're not necessarily worried about the end. We know how stories are going to end. We know that Pride and Prejudice was going to end with them getting married, but it's how they get there that's what keeps us coming back for more. Yes. Oh, that's a that's a great phrase. The reward is always in the journey. And and same for us, you know, I I mean, we're we're always making parallels to therapy in, in this podcast, but you know, we don't always know where it's going to end with our client. And it's that journey, it's that, you know, lived experience we have with them for the the time we work together that is, you know, what's enriching for us and for them. At least we hope it is. A hundred percent. And how often uh, do we describe this profession as walking alongside our clients? They're on their journey. We're on our journey. But for a little while, those paths walk in parallel. We we get to see people at their best and their worst. And back to the question uh, that you opened up with, you know, your heart-centered therapy is very much, we love them warts and all. You know, we've all had clients who have been difficult to work with, but we keep going back to them. We're not going to let them put us off. You know, we're going to say you're 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 a worthwhile human being, even if you don't believe it. I believe it. And I think that's a huge part of the definition for me. Right. When when you are a heart centered therapist, right, you continue working even with those difficult clients. If you know, if it's within within your your range of experience because that's that's part of the non-judgment that's part of seeing the strength of of giving them the love and the walking alongside as you said you know sometimes we're in that journey of transformation for ourselves as well even Mm -hmm. when we're doing this work with our clients so we're touched just as they are there is no such thing as a client who doesn't educate us 
Yes. So with that, let's let's dive into helping us learn a little bit about role-playing games because you have such a great sense of humor and joy about you. And I'm sure it comes out in this use of games and story with your clients. I want to share a quote because your book, Role-Playing Games and Psychotherapy, A Practitioner's Guide, it's so cool. We're going to link to it. And it has this amazing cover. And you have said about the beautiful new book cover, and I quote, it portrays everything that matters about RPG therapy, adventure, standing up for yourself, taking risks, overcoming adversity, and generally giving yourself permission to be a total badass. That's what the book cover encapsulates. It's really, we'll, we'll make sure we have a picture of it. So with this, like RPG therapy, what is it? everything you've just said um everything we just spoke about with the stories rpg therapy is basically turning the therapeutic process into a storytelling exercise it's transforming the therapeutic frame of you know you've got your therapeutic environment you've got the time that the um session takes place you've got the length of the session you've got your boundaries and applying a fictional frame onto that transforming the therapeutic environment into a world of wonder and adventure you know you're not just sitting in here talking about you know your day at the office you're sat here talking about your day going out fighting that dragon that one time and once you transform a person's problems into this fantastical adventure everything just becomes that bit easier to talk about especially for some clients who have been traumatized in some way or just very anxious about talking to some big scary man about their emotions just turning it into a bit of fun you know putting on silly voices talking like a little goblin nobody can take you seriously if you put on a voice like that and so all of a sudden it's all right to come and sit down and talk about things and what we do in rpg therapy we create a character with the client and as soon as that happens then it's the character we're talking about the character's the person with all the problems the character's the one who's having difficulties that they've got to overcome and as we all know it's so much easier to give advice to somebody else than it is to listen to our own wisdom and so you put your clients in a position to say okay well your character has just experienced this event what would you say to them okay okay so and and th this event is a bit similar to what you're experiencing isn't it okay so if you could say that to your character would it be possible to apply that yourself hmm, interesting you know it's kind of using the storytelling the fictional frame just the adventure just to help the client see their problems from a different perspective from an arm's length where it's all a bit safer and warmer and you know with the voice of a goblin the goblin voice helps a lot <laughs> oh yeah completely yeah oh yes i want the ring oh yes go and get oh no there's a dragon over there don't go over there and all doing things like that because you get you get the clients to put silly voices on as well you know it's it's all part and parcel of it if they want to of course but if you make it fun and engaging that takes away the fear that a lot of people have of the therapeutic process because if you come to a therapist week in week out and all you ever do is talk about difficult stuff you're 
naturally going to kind of grit your teeth and think oh do i really want to go there this week whereas if it's all about you know i i use the phrase battling your inner demons by swinging swords at imaginary ones and if you're turning the therapy into an adventure into a story that's something to be looked forward to um, you get to be creative right i'm i mean i'm assuming this is also helping open up your clients to look at new ways to approach right um you know slaying their dragons uh, absolutely and um it, it's also teachers skills for outside therapy you know it, it role-playing games are fantastic for self-care you know they, they're social exercises that involve going out meeting other people telling stories but there can also be writing exercises you can draw pictures paint pictures um play with toys you know get little action figures and just like we like i used to do i used to play with thundercats action figures when i was a child you know just go out into the world and tell whatever stories in your mind and what does it look like you know like can can you get an example of i don't know like would say a 13 year old kid or you know whatever you choose daniel give an example of what it looks like to do this in your session and like what are their props that you use like sort of paint the picture for us please essentially the first um the the opening act of the therapy is much like any you know therapeutic experience you've got to assess the client's needs you've got to figure out what they're able to talk about what they want to talk about um what would work best for them because you know as with any other um form of intervention this isn't going to be for everybody you know if you start talking like a goblin to some clients they're just going to look at you funny and walk out the door it's a great screening mechanism yeah, absolutely can you handle the goblin voice <laughs> um but once you've uh once you've uh, been through the assessment and established that yes the client would like to do some form of rpg therapy the next step is to establish what kind of game they'd like to play some like fantasy where you go around slaying dragons or throwing rings into volcanoes some like sci-fi they want to go and live on the enterprise or fight wars in the stars there's a big call for superhero stories thanks to um the marvel films um uh, but they can literally be anything i started a uh an rpg with a young man who wanted to play a cowboy um last week so you establish the kind of story they want to tell and then you help them create the character that they're going to play in the game and that's kind of where the magic starts because uh, as I mentioned earlier, I, I came into this line of work originally from a, a fiction writer's point of view, and it doesn't matter how hard you try, elements of the author will always make their way into the character. And so if you sit down and you help your client create a character, even if they don't realise it, they're telling you so many things about what's important to them. You know, Fascinating. Yeah. It, it it it's it's awesome so like i say i started um a game with a young man last week um and yeah he wants to play cowboys so okay we created a, a, a cowboy scenario had a look at his character and a big part of it was about um, this character had trust issues um he had been abandoned by his family character and lo and behold after a bit of talking about it later on it's like oh okay so you've got issues with trust and you're not you don't feel fully in contact with your family for example that's obviously 
very low level, but quick five, 10 minute exercise can just, you know, it's like opening a treasure chest. There's just so much there. You could spend the rest of the, the client's therapy just going through that character sheet. But once you've uh, got the character, um, it's time to create the setting that the um, uh, the character is going to go through. So obviously for this one, it was a Wild West setting. So uh, you've got towns sit- sitting in the middle of nowhere, but with a railroad station, with a tavern, a, a general store, a bank to be robbed and all of that. And then you've just got to create a few obstacles for the um, character to overcome. And, and who creates the obstacles? Usually um, that's the, the therapist or the, the game master, but it can be the client as well. It depends on how you're going to approach it. So if it's very much a case of the therapist is putting things in the character's way that the client has got to kind of figure out how to get around those obstacles, then yes, it's the therapist does the creating and the uh, the client does the reacting. But if so, I, I'm uh, initially, um, I trained as person-centered and uh, psychodynamic and integrative, um, but person-centered obviously lends itself very well to letting the client take the lead saying okay i i I'm, the character is here and i think it would be fun if they came up against the sheriff walking into the bar just as they're leaving kind of thing and it, it becomes very much a case of communal storytelling and there are different clients will have different requirements you know some will need to be led by the hand a bit more others will be happy telling everything uh, all by themselves and you the therapist is just rele- relegated to the observer um which it can be a lot of fun so much fun but yeah so you create so once you've created all of those aspects and and that this is the work of minutes and it, it sounds terrifying and when i speak to people about it they're very much initially oh no 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 i I could never do that i'm not creative enough to do something like that but you are you've seen a superhero film you know what happens in a superhero film there you go just do that and 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 your book daniel does it outline things like how to create a character how to create the the fictional setting so that it would be easier for a therapist to you know try this Absolutely. Uh, the difficulty with running roleplay games within therapy is, uh, well, there are two main difficulties. One is they are usually geared towards group play, usually around about four or five people playing. And, and uh, for example, can you give, can you tell our listeners, like, what are the roleplay games outside of therapy that we would know about? Well, um, the one that everybody knows is Dungeons and Dragons. That's the um, the one that kind of started the show back in the 70s. But to be honest, now there are just so many, so many out there. there, there uh, you've got Dungeons and Dragons, you've got Pathfinder, you've got Blades in the Dark, you've got The One Ring, which is all about uh, Lord of the Rings. And I, I love, I love The One Ring. Um, but you've got pirate games, you've got samurai games. Got superhero games. There, there are just so many of them. There, there is literally an RPG for everybody. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. There is an RPG for everybody. There are, there are so many. There is a lovely one called Quest, which is a very simple mechanic. You just roll one die and you just go according to what that says. And it's lots of very magical items in it, and it, it's all about the story. It's, it's beautiful. But the big problem you have with all of not all of them, but a lot of those games is. As I say, they're designed to be played in groups, but also they are—they can be extremely complex. 
So Dungeons and Dragons, I would not recommend using in therapy simply because if you wanted to create a character in, in a 50 minute session, it would probably take two sessions to create a character for a Dungeons and Dragons type game, which, okay, yeah, we've mentioned the character creation process is helpful, but that's a bit much. I, I've only ever used Dungeons and Dragons with one client and decided not to again because it was, it was just a bit too complex. And and that's why the book came came about because most therapists aren't trained for group work and most most therapists don't really have the time to learn an entire rule system um, i mean if you wanted to play dungeons and dragons you'd have to that's something like 600 pages worth of rules and mechanics right to learn you're giving you're giving therapists a shortcut to work with an individual client if if that's their modality and create some rpgs that will work in session like yeah. start from maybe the second session yeah absolutely and uh, hopefully it'll be it's it'll be easy um to get you to get your head around um it, that's what I, I wrote it to be as easy as possible because we're busy people you know we uh, we need to get the information into our heads and into the session as economically as possible hopefully the book will give our compatriots the information they need to use it but also to have confidence in themselves to use it because again it can be very overwhelming to read to see that you've got 600 pages worth of rpg wall to read whereas if you've just kind of honed it down into a couple of chapters mm-hmm. you know you can just pick it up and, and go with your client and, and so actually are you giving the therapist a way to help the client create a character it doesn't have to be a part of a specific a specific existing game that they can create this and then work with the, the client character to create the obstacles and so on yes absolutely and and that's why i I say to begin with the very first thing you're going to decide is the is the genre you want to play because the problem with a lot of current games is they come with a pre-designed setting so if you want to play that game well then you kind of have to play fantasy or you have to play superhero so if you uh, come in and use this book you decide what type of story you want to tell and the character sheet is broad enough that it can create just about any character but also for our needs um, it looks at important things like relationships and what the character's hopes and fears are as well as just what their stats are because a lot of games have numbers on on the character sheet to say how good the character is at hitting things but doesn't really get into the nitty-gritty of how they feel about their parents yes so you're adding in the emotions Mm -hmm. Um, I, i love what you had shared with me in as we were preparing for this about some of the ways RPGs can be used in practice. And I'm just going to mention this. Um, You said, just imagine a class calling career, whatever it is, that requires the player to think about the character's emotions, their triggers, and their ability to keep from being overwhelmed by them, right? This is is the perfect segue. And then you said a rage knight. So if we're doing knights, I, I don't know, what is... What is the genre for knights? I don't even... I can't claim ownership of that one. That's from a a comic book and RPG mix called Die. 
the conceit of die is that uh, some people were playing this rpg and they all got sucked into it and then they and then a few years later they came out completely traumatized by, <laughs> by oh. their experiences and but one of the uh, character classes in that is um an emotion knight and the whole point of that character so you know like a knight in shining armor but they have to feel an emotion in order to use their magical abilities okay amazing an emotion Which, yeah i i mean i i wish i had come up with that i can't claim to but i just i love it so much it is such an it's such an exciting idea you know exactly. to exactly so listen to this like a rage night for example would be perfect for helping a client think about sources of anger and different ways of releasing it non-destructively mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Then you shared a depression night could be a way of exploring how to overcome a constant feeling of apathy or even come to terms with bereavement. An ecstasy night could encourage reflection on why a person might constantly feel the need to present as happy even when they're not. Whoa. I mean, when when I came across this, I was just blown away. Yes, me too. <laughs> and that's the power of, I mean, the, the entire intervention. I mean, okay, yes. Yeah, so uh, Kieran Gillen, he, he's the uh, chap who came up with uh, the Emotion Night as a class, but it, that's kind of just shining a light onto the whole RPG therapy as an intervention. It's very much a case of putting the client's character into a position having them experience the emotions and then helping the client to kind of witness how the character is dealing with them so your rage knight yeah getting really angry really needs to let off a bit of steam what is a constructive way for the for the knight to go and do that i mean yes it could be fighting a dragon fighting a dragon would be one way but we can't go around chopping dragons heads off every day in the real world um so how else might um the character achieve <laughs> achieve a sense of calm and so in that case then the client has to come up with some ideas mm-hmm absolutely there is a another class in in the same in the same game actually uh called uh, a neo which and that that um class as i recall correctly they have magical powers but they have to get fueled every day and so essentially in that way it's they're almost an addict they have to get the thing to fuel their powers and if they don't get it they're kind of you know what what can they do and you know i've i've worked with a lot of people with drug and alcohol issues um i've I worked with uh, homeless people um for quite a while and drug and alcohol issues came up a lot there and and yeah putting an in-game reference to a need like that which can get in the way of just the character living their life or getting on with the things they'd like to do again all of a sudden it's the character that has the problems which makes it easier for the client to talk about them, you know. And it's and I, there are so many wonderful anecdotes. I mean, the the, the one I bring up, but actually, um, the first client I ever used, um, and oddly enough, that's when I was using. Uh, that was the one attempt I used Dungeons and Dragons with a young boy who really struggling at school socially had just moved to a new school was struggling so much in fact that uh, he developed mutism. I mean, just such a, a top young man he came to me for a couple of sessions and he was trying so hard you you could just tell he was doing everything he could to talk but he just couldn't do it so we played we played chess for a couple of sessions just try did our best but bless him as much as the, the best he could do was a whispered yes or no night most of the time so we created a character for him he created a, a dragon 
uh, dragonborn sorcerer, so basically a, a half dragon, half man who could cast spells. I, we put him in this little village, surrounded by magical woods with monsters and manticles flying through the air, and I just described um, what this character was seeing as he walked into the village, asked him what he wanted to do, and he didn't say much again so i said well i kind of said well there's a man standing up against the, the wall having a, a drink and a chat with uh, one of his friends do you want to go over there and say hello and you know he just kind of nodded and then i went into role play i said oh hello traveler you know what brings you to this part and then and this the the most amazing thing and it was just he started talking just I mean, I probably doesn't sound like much to some of your listeners, but if you've ever met somebody who's struggling with mutism, it just there was just no, there was no there there was no holding him back. He just and and he wasn't just talking; he was talking in a really graspy voice because he was a dragon man who breathes fire. And so he said, "Hello, I'm looking for somewhere to stay tonight." But it was all right for him to say to speak to that because. He wasn't the person doing the talking. The character was the one doing the talking. Character, that is phenomenal. Such it, a I, and so much safety for this client who, you know, was able to overcome through the character that mutism. Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the example I always give, which um, is <laughs> considering this my first ever experience. I don't know if it's going to be topped frankly, but um, it, it was, if there's a description of how powerful it can be as an intervention, that's that's it. And, you know, we went on countless adventures, you know, he went treasure hunting, he met a dragon, he didn't fight it, he had a, he had a good long talk with him and made friends with him. And by the end of his journey there, he, I mean, he was still, there was still anxiety there, but because he'd realised that he could talk without repercussions it, it became a, a natural part of his life just by creating this half man half dragon who could breathe fire what, what a gift that he was able to work with you it was yeah it was an absolute privilege working with him it was such a good lad so yeah and, and that's such a beautiful example too of where it doesn't sound like you needed to do much to implement the story, right? You created the fictional space or setting with the the, the magical woods and the, the tavern. Um, he chose his character. He had a voice. You ha- you were able to go into the role play of the other characters in the town, which is amazing. Does your book have things like, let's say therapist is stuck on, well, how would I build out the scene that said it does so we've actually mentioned the uh the basics a couple of times there's uh um uh, some, what i call the the story trinity which are three things that every story has and if any of them is missing then it's it's not going to go very far and that is you've got the character you've got the setting and you've got the obstacle and as i say we've spoken about those already but when i say that they're the three things they are literally the only three things it doesn't matter what else you've got the story can live without it i did a presentation on this during my uh, counseling training actually and uh, one of my uh, one of the people on my course was not having it when i said that the story didn't need an ending but if you think about it the end of the book that's not the end of the story They've got the rest of their lives going on, but you know the book has to end somewhere, so let's stop there. And so, even things that we take for granted in the story, like a beginning or an end, no, that they aren't really that worth worrying about. If you just focus on getting the character, the setting, and the obstacle, you know, you've got absolutely everything you need. The book will give you dozens slash hundreds of 
little prompts to uh, just give you ideas. So if you or your client is stuck creating a character, just check the book, roll a couple of dice, and you can make a flying monkey cowboy, I don't know, or, <laughs> or a pirate who limps because he he's got an arm instead of a he went to he got his uh leg chopped off and the um when he went to get a, a wooden leg they only had wooden arms so he goes around <laughs> with a wooden arm instead of a wooden leg so you have all kinds of examples and things that like you said roll of the dice and next thing you know you can put this together yeah absolutely and and the trick is as uh, is don't think too much don't worry about it. you you do not have to become the next america's great author let your client choose the character that's because that's what they're interested in as soon as you've got the character you know the setting that they want you know if if you're a dragon mage then you're going to want to go to an enchanted wood with monsters if you're a superhero you're going to want to have a city full of supervillains and people to rescue um and once you've got the setting and the character we'll just give them something to do the obstacle could be you know the superhero has to rescue a cat from a tree or it could be they've got to stop some supervillain from robbing the bank and mm -hmm. um, once you've got those three and um, those three aspects in place, everything else is just having fun. And that is the key ingredient is just have fun. Let the client have fun. Let them engage with the story and the therapy will almost do itself. And, and so with that, the sense of the character being external to the client because the character kind of externalizes and creates this, I mean, the client externalizes and creates the character and yet it's not this it's not like an externalization of problems because then they have the agency to actually work on the obstacles absolutely this does kind of fall back on well-worn therapeutic tropes like um projection for example you i mean we are literally projecting our issues onto a third party you've got parasocial relationships which have obviously become a big talking point recently especially since uh the the pandemic what are your relationships with the celebrities you watch on television you've got transference you've got systemic thinking you know the character knows people in their world you know you all of these things play the same part in a, an rpg setting as they do in a a quote-unquote normal therapeutic setting we're just kind of changing the language we you know we're talking about having laser blasters and uh, swords and shields as opposed to you know what did you do at work this morning for example and 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 instead of calling it a defense you're you're like well what about the or a protective um measure you're getting out the laser <laughs> yes indeed absolutely and i mean and let's face it what therapy isn't improved by having a laser <laughs> <laughs> that's great i love it <laughs> <laughs> yes so these are such solid therapeutic principles that underlie this the rpg sessions I really was intrigued how you described using this in some ways with folks that struggled with addiction. And that's that's so interesting to have a, a little distance to look at the problem and maybe feel a little less shame while working through the issues. Uh, you use the exact word there because there's so much shame attached um, to things like with I mean, which is obviously one of the things to work with the client because, you know, what have you got to be ashamed about? This is 
an illness like anything else. I, I suffer from chronic pain. I, should I apologize for that? But yes, absolutely. Just by taking a step back, letting the client be uh, the client, beg your pardon, letting the character be the one to take all of the risk, do all of the hard work. With a, a lot of clients suffering from addiction and alcohol issues, there's a lot of inner child work going on there as well, because these are these do tend to be issues that go all the way back to some form of child childhood trauma. And here we are sitting down with that inner child, literally playing a game with them. Just loving for the inner child. It's loving. Just, it's back to that heart-centered approach mm -hmm. of, you know, I'm going to love this, all of these parts of you. Yeah. And I had a, a client a few years ago, and not with addiction, but with, uh, had come saying that they had just not had a childhood. They were, they had come from an abusive upbringing and just hadn't been able to play. And one of the first things they said to me was that they didn't think they knew how to play. Mm -hmm. And so we played yes. you know that's a big takeaway for anyone who has you know clients that that had a very adverse childhood background where they didn't really get to play and imagine having that experience in a relational and transformative healing way with your therapist pretty cool oh it's awesome and we, we all as therapists have tales of amazing moments mm -hmm. um, but because um, the amazing moments in this type of uh, approach are so otherworldly they I don't know you you can't help but smile when you when you tell them you know how often do you expect to hear a, a therapist talk about that wonderful time that the half dragon half man started talking for example <laughs> it's just so beautiful so wonderful and and your smile says it all as you describe this too and knowing that you're an, an author fiction and nonfiction, when you're working with clients using the rpg therapy because it sounds like it can be mm, so juicy like just so so creative and 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 so intriguing inspiring for you too do, do you also get like almost like um you know borrowed benefit for your own creativity with the sessions Yes, but you. I personally have to be quite careful because I get quite. You may have noticed I get, I get quite enthusiastic about the topic. And one thing, whenever I do talk on this topic to people, um, got some. Tra I'm doing some training in a, a couple of months, and I've I've given workshops in the past. Is you've got to remember that all of this stuff belongs to the client. You know, it's their character. It's their world it's their adventure we are we're there to witness it but as soon as it, it, it's like um whenever any client walks out the door as sad as it is we've got to let them go the same has to be said for that character that adventure and being a, a fiction author you think oh my goodness that would make such a great novel i, I want to write it but i can't because it's there <laughs> Oh, yes. Um, I'm so glad you shared that though, because that, that makes sense. And that's what we do in honoring the clients and maintaining the boundaries. And you're right. We do let it go. Yeah. And, but, and also that, um, that feeds into the, uh, the whole ending of therapy, you know, when, when we say goodbye, it's not 
just us saying goodbye to the client. It's and them saying goodbye to us. It's the client saying goodbye to the character. It's us saying goodbye to the character. Or it's a way of looking at, okay, well, this particular chapter is ending. Is there anything you could do in the future? You know, like write stories, like draw pictures, join a, a role play game group and play socially. Because again, the adventure never ends. And healthy endings are important. Mm. That would be a very reparative experience as well. And um, yes, yeah, so you do have to keep the boundary there. You've got to make sure you don't let your enthusiasm take over, t- take over too much. Because at the end of the day, this is still a therapeutic intervention. And it, it behoves us to make sure that we give our clients what they need. And so constant reflection, taking it to supervision, making sure that making sure that it serves a purpose. We're not just doing it to have fun. I mean, fun's important, I you know, but fun in service of healing. Yes, yes. Fun in service of healing. That's so great. If anybody is really intrigued by Daniel's work. You have so much to offer. I know you also do like one-to-one consultations and group trainings for therapists where you help them with this RPG therapy, right? Yes. I haven't got uh, some group work now until end of July, I think, uh, if I remember my calendar. Um, But yes, I'm always up for doing the uh, one-to-one consultations. I do workshops, um, which is just me talking at the camera and uh, saying, anybody got any questions? But I also do some work where a group of therapists get together and we play an RPG and see how it see what the experience is like oh I love that fabulous wow it's a lot of fun fun I mean uh, there is a an age-old joke for um, RPGs saying that uh, the game master the person who runs the game is just an unpaid therapist well imagine what it's like when all of the players are therapists as well that's great (laughs) That's great. Well, you're definitely going to want to check that out. (laughs) A lot of um, therapists would be very interested in that and the adventure, right? We have our own obstacles to overcome. We need some characters ourselves Mm -hmm. to, to help us do that. This is great. I really am thrilled that we got to meet today, Daniel, and I want to acknowledge you for this amazing effort in launching your book and creating such a safe place for clients where they're really being able to heal and become, you know, more fully themselves, which is an amazing gift that you offer them. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Cindy. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Yeah, real pleasure. If you could, again, tell everybody about your book, when it's coming out, and your website. Yeah, so the book is called Role-Playing Games in Psychotherapy, A Practitioner's Guide. Uh, That's published by Palgrave Macmillan. It's coming out end of June 2023. And my website is www.monomythcounseling, with two L's, .co.uk. The monomyth, obviously, being um, the hero's journey uh, in joseph campbell's book so that's great we'll link to daniel's book in the show notes and his website and whatever else other links we will put in there for sure so yes well i think it's it's about having fun in therapy and And joining the story joining the story great thank you so much daniel thank you thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode And if you did, I invite you to subscribe and leave a rating or review. It really helps other people find this podcast. 
Be sure to check out the show notes for all the links and resources mentioned. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.